Hello everyone and welcome to Supply Chain Operation third podcast about logistic provider in the pharmaceutical industry. And this podcast is brought to you by Supply Chain Operation, which is a supply chain consulting firm based in Switzerland dedicated to the pharmaceutical industry. Today I'm sitting uh, with Chris Wallace and I'd like uh, to start by giving the voice to Chris so that he can introduce himself and let us know about who he is and where he comes from. Thank you, Tim. I'm originally from the UK. I've lived in a number of countries, now living in Switzerland. My background is as a supply chain professional. I've done end-to-end supply chain activity from uh, the demand planning forecast through to the execution side of distribution logistics. I've been uh, recently uh, based here in Switzerland working for Clover, which was a Chinese pharmaceutical biotech startup. And I've now been working with SCO for a year or so, helping clients with their supply chains uh, in terms of their improvements, as well as the setup of those supply chains. Thank you, Chris. So first question to you is, could you define what is a logistic provider in the pharmaceutical industry and really focusing on the particularities related to, to that industry? It's a good question because um, I think the old definitions of uh, logistics providers have become very blurred as their scope of services and activities that they offer have broadened. They've come a long way from simply providing the uh, warehousing and uh, distribution services of which we're all familiar. We now have several providers giving uh, GMP services, they can uh, also outsourcing of order to cash. Um, That can be activities from customer services through invoice collection and so on. So uh, quite a dramatic change, in fact, over the last 10 years in terms of the services they provide. Therefore, in terms of a definition, it's become very blurred in uh, Traditionally, you also had contract manufacturers, contract packers, and so on. And the logistics service providers, particularly the major ones, are encroaching on that territory. So um, it is a, a, a very dynamic and changing picture. I think in terms of what's happening with the pharma industry, it's particularly relevant to this because, again, traditionally, the scope of services offered was quite narrow warehousing, um, transportation, and so on. Now that has changed quite dramatically over the last 10 years, as mentioned, and I see that continuing. It wouldn't surprise me if there is much more merger and acquisition activity, and indeed some of the logistics service providers buy into uh, contract packers, contract manufacturers, and and vice versa. It's a very, very uh, dynamic and changing market. I think, uh, obviously, the specifics of the pharma industry mean that quality is paramount, as uh, is conditions around regulatory and other things like that, which perhaps are not so common in uh, the traditional logistics service provider space. Hence why uh, in pharma logistics, it's tended to be either a combination of specialists or multinationals who have either bought specialists to move into that space or develop their own and built on it. It's quite a a dramatic change over the last 10 years. Excellent. 
Well, this brings me to a, a very important question. I mean, this consolidation of the industry, do you think is it a benefit or a threat for the actual pharma companies that are handing over uh, their product to those providers? It could be both, but I think on in large part, it's a benefit. And let me explain why. The market still remains very fragmented, despite the muscle of players like uh, DHL, UPS, Kunra Nagel, and the other major players. It remains fragmented. And also, um, you have the challenge that there is no company that has the same, exhibits uh, universal strengths globally. You can have strong players in North America who are under, very much underrepresented in Asia PAC, strong players in Asia PAC who have no operations in Europe, and so on. So it is something that you need to keep in mind, if particularly if you're doing a global outsourcing, that one player uh, is unlikely to be able to provide the solution you need. Um, that is clearly something that uh, a number of them are trying to address through merger and acquisition activity, as you as you mentioned. However, we're still a long way from, from somebody being able to say, hey, I've got this universal solution that is to the same consistency and size and capability across the, the world. I think there is also... Uh, a, a challenge anyway, and particularly for the larger pharma companies who outsource in the sense that they have the ability to go to uh, either a local or a regional player versus a global. Um, but what they tend to do, of course, is deal with the bigger players. And that's a natural consequence of size, maturity of organization, and so on. If you were, by contrast, a small biotech would you really want to um, have as your main provider a multinational where you might be very small for them? Um, you wouldn't necessarily have the attention that your business needs to develop and so on, which brings to the age-old problem of do you go for a local solution or a regional or a global? And the reality is that as businesses develop, their needs change and that's a particular dynamic of the marketplace of course thank you and this brings me to what i will call the life cycle of a, of a logistic service provider so usually it starts by you know you start by saying okay i have a need you list requirements then you move into a selection process where you will do a couple of steps and then there is an implementation and then once you're live and the operation are running you need to manage those operations so I'd like now to take a bit those three different parts of the life, so the selection, then the implementation, and then the running business. Um, and I'd like you to share a bit your experience on, you know, good, uh, good practices or, or really uh, stuff to avoid. And starting with the selection process, what have you learned throughout your career in, on that part? Yes, it's been uh, quite, I've seen uh, probably 100 plus of these types of projects and um, there isn't uh, a one size fits all, but there are principles that you can apply to each one. One of the things that I've seen which uh, amazes me is that it can be seen as being something that is uh, strictly for the logistics professionals um, to do that is clearly in my view wrong you need to bring the other stakeholders to the party similarly uh, i've seen procurement uh, functions do a great job in terms of 
obtaining a good price, but of course there's been a disconnect with the actual user requirements, which meant that the whole exercise needs to be reworked or redone, uh, which is not really to anyone's benefit. The reality is that it needs to be done with a cross-functional team. It needs to be by all means led by the logistics professionals, as they will be the ones directly managing the provider. However, it's not something that uh, can be, uh, for example, draw up a list of user requirements, pass them to procurement and think, hey, presto, procurement can go off and, and do their thing and that's it. No, it needs to be um, a mixed team with defined stakeholders done to a process. Clearly, there are different stages and uh, there is the request for information, request for proposal, request for quotation. All of these steps are quite well defined, albeit that they can be combined, which can be of particular benefit if there is a situation where either the logistics services capability and requirements of a market is very well known, or indeed if it's somebody like um, uh, a small biotech or something like that who needs to help in terms of accelerating that process if they're bringing for example a first product to market you don't want an extended process of trying to select your logistics service provider so there are principles in terms of, of what you then would then do in terms of uh, obviously it needs to be a very um objective as far as it can be process the use of scorecards weighting factors within those scorecards is well known that has to be agreed up front but also there needs to be some um, real sense uh, applied to those in terms of how that relates to the organization that is actually undertaking the outsourcing let me give you an example if your organization is a young uh, biotech, it probably has a, a, not a, a series of processes in place the way that a large pharma multinational would have. That then means that perhaps they need to uh, bring in uh, external help to help them with that in terms of that defined process. But it also means that perhaps they need to look for um, a service provider who is incredibly flexible because they know their business is going to change probably over a reasonably short period of time, maybe three years. That means that they can, must have a provider who can accommodate that development. Obviously, if by contrast, you're a large pharma multinational and you have a specific need for a specific market that you don't see is going to change, then it becomes a simpler uh, selection process and in the latter, clearly uh, the dynamics of the factors involved in making that selection can change. So in the latter example, uh, price can become a more significant factor. However, in general, in the pharma world, things like quality and solution and uh, operation are much more important than cost. Um, that is a typical uh, scenario, but sadly one all too often uh, forgotten in occasional organizations. I was involved with one outsourcing process, for example, where price was number one um, and the actual quality of solution was number four. 
absolutely crazy. You, in other words, you could have something that was approved and selected that did not meet the actual requirements, uh, which clearly is sheer lunacy. The, I would also suggest that in terms of the process, a lot of companies still do this in a hands-off manner, which I think is a, a major mistake. You, you need to get to know your partner. You're going to be with this partner for probably some considerable time. Therefore, you need to make sure that that partner can be responsive to your needs. So, for example, site audits, absolutely critical in terms of uh, the selection process. Also, uh, key positions like the account manager at the logistics service provider, absolutely critical. If you don't... Um, uh, think that the account manager is going to meet your requirements, then you need to be a, a bold and ask for an alternative. Similarly, if you don't like the facilities, again, ask for an alternative. Now, of course, that's not always possible on the logistics service provider's part, but hey, it's far better to have that discussion up front than have a costly and very expensive mistake later because certainly in my experience trying to change a logistics service provider mid-contract is not only a an expensive exercise but an extremely challenging one with implications for your service level and product delivery to customer yeah you better start early than than too late absolutely now if we move to the implementation phase is there any particular experience and and knowledge that you can share that you learned throughout your career the implementation phase is where uh, so many outsourcing exercises have gone wrong um, the it's i know it's a cliche but you have to plan in detail or it's uh, something that is likely to go uh, very wrong. A detailed plan must cover things like process, communication, dispute resolution, um, systems, not just um, the scope of services, which would be the, the bedrock of, of any contract. Clearly, in terms of uh, that implementation, there should, again, it can't be done effectively at arm's length, in my opinion. You need to have a joint team between your preferred provider, your selected provider, and the outsourcing company, and potentially uh, others involved who might be helping with that. It could be systems professionals or whoever it might be. That team has got to be um, cross-functional as well, be able to uh, report continually with updates to the stakeholders because everybody has a stake in this. The implementation, if it goes badly wrong or is delayed, at best it's expensive, at worst it can really uh, impact the company and its, its product service to patients. Yeah, I mean, it really resonates with me. Uh, I have to admit that uh, communication for me is one of the four most important uh, criteria or, or dimension to put under control because with communication comes trust. And if you don't have trust in the process and in the provider, you're really off onto a wrong track. I would agree. And the, a communications plan needs to be done up front, um, but it must be adhered to. And uh, in my experience, even if it's bad news, for example, a delay or something like that, then it needs to be communicated as soon as possible. That's much easier when it's a joint team. You don't have this um, uh, messaging over a wall between provider and um, 
pharmaco, you have something that is then joint and in I know it's again a, it's a cliche but a problem shared is a problem halved and people can work on that as alternatives and in my experience when you catch a problem early enough you can often you know, have an alternative methodology or approach or whatever it may be in order to still hit your target mitigation is way simpler yes very much so absolutely And, and maybe to finish, we can discuss about running operations. So you have selected your, pro, your, your provider, you have running operation, you together for a year, two years, three years, whatever. Uh, and if it's of utmost importance to still be close by and to maintain that relationship, can you tell us a bit what you gain in terms of experience and a, a few best practices that, that may be useful for the, for the audience? Indeed. Um, when I first started working in third-party logistics, the standing joke was always if you had a graph of the uh, bottom axis was time and the other axis was attention given to the customer, it would be shaped like a bath. In other words, at the start of the contract, there would be lots of attention given, very little in the middle. And then as if the contract neared closure or renewal, everybody would be back all over it. Um, and there was some truth in that. Uh, like all um, cliches, the, the origins have got, uh, have got some uh, truth in it. That clearly is a situation that has to be avoided. Similarly, um, on the side of the pharmaco is they can't just outsource, expect everything to happen wonderfully and forget about it. It needs proactive management for a number of reasons, not just because uh, the simple one of you want your provider to continue to do what you want, but the reality is your business will change, the dynamics change, and that could be new product, new market, it could be Uh, some merger and acquisition activity. I had an example where I was in the middle of an outsourcing process and my CFO came to me and said, uh, well, actually, we're going to have to uh, change the project slightly. His version of slightly was there was an acquisition happening the following month and it was going to increase the volumes by 40%. Quite dramatic. Similarly, I've worked in a situation where a company has had a successful outsourcing but its latest product was its first cold chain product again quite different dynamic and requirement for the logistics service provider to to give them and in certain cases the existing provider uh, for a given territory in the latter example did not have that capability that meant um, a wholesale change as you can imagine so in that Dynamic, we need to understand that there needs to be a constant uh, management of the uh, logistics service provider and indeed, I might add, from the logistics service provider's perspective, constant attention to the pharmaco because they need to understand and anticipate the business issues and the changes that happen. So that gives, and very successfully done, is to have a multidisciplinary team Uh, who manages their logistics service provider. Yes, it can be led by the logistics team, but it needs strong input from functions like quality, like finance, uh, like commercial, to ensure that, firstly, Pharmaco and its stakeholders and their requirements are still being adequately satisfied, but also that any changes that occur are smoothly uh, undertaken 
and you don't have any blips in service because, for example, a new product has been launched or another market taken on. That shouldn't happen if it's planned properly and executed to the plan. I would add that you can manage with these multidisciplinary teams um, a cradle-to-grave relationship with a third party. And that third party, yes, we focus today, Tim, on logistics service providers, but it could be a contract manufacturer, it could be a contract packer, it could be a distributor wholesaler. The same principles would apply with that multidisciplinary team. And that, to me, is best practice, and it's been proven to be the case in a number of companies where not only I've worked, but where I've observed the workings um, of that uh, team. Excellent. Is there anything else you'd like to add on logistics service provider in the pharmaceutical industry? I would just add one thing that is often overlooked. A lot of people focus quite rightly on things like the solution um, and so on. But the culture is clearly incredibly important to be understood, and I might add, on both sides. At extremes, clearly, if you are a small pharmaco uh, looking to outsource, do you really want to be uh, with a very immature organization? Do you really want to be with a small provider who cannot really help you with, for example, new processes and things like that? At the same time, you need to ask the same question. Do you want to be with a large multinational where you might get lost and not get the attention you need for your business to develop? It's understanding that that maturity of organization, that culture and so on is incredibly important for you not just to get the right solution, but to get the right provider who can develop with you as your business develops. Excellent. So I think we will definitely take away this balance and finding the right compromise uh, between all those dimensions. Thank you, Chris, for taking the time, sharing your insight. Also, thank you for putting together two articles. One article uh, which is available on our blog on how to choose a logistics provider and then a global guide on the life cycle and how uh, a logistics service provider can support a pharmaceutical company. Thank you, Chris. Thank you.